Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode five of In the Flat Podcast. This week's title is Let the Chaos Continue. And boy, did it continue this week. We had nine more ranked teams go down, um, adding to the total, uh, having over 34, I think, over the first five weeks of a season. I believe that's another record for this year. I mean, we had upsets, we had close calls, we had really good games, and we had other teams just have dominating performances. So let's jump right into it here. Let's start off first with, I would say, the upset of the week, and that was Stanford stunning the Ducks in overtime. Stanford won this game 31 to 24 in overtime. Um, it looked like Oregon had this, you know, in the bag, had a 24 to 17 lead, heading into the final drive of regulation. Uh, but Stanford's quarterback, Tanner McGee, completed a pass as time expired to send the game to overtime. Healthy in the next two days. Had a little background noise. Sorry about that, guys. Um, but then as he went down there, he got the game-winning touchdown, and then they forced a t- turnover um, to end the game there. So pretty exciting finish. Um, again, probably disappointing for Oregon as they really had a shot to go to the playoffs. Now it really – and they really have to run the table and look impressive, I think, to get to the playoffs. But, um, you know, Ben, you, you kind of watched this game, looked over it. What, what was your thoughts on Stanford beating the Ducks? It, of course, it's a rough loss for the Ducks, but the ending itself was just brutal. That final drive, the, the penalties that were called, uh, the way it broke down at the end there, just, just a horrible way to, to lose for Oregon. But really, if, if you go back and look throughout the game, the one thing that kind of sort of came back to bite them a little bit is that they're not a great passing team. They're not the worst in the country. We're going to talk about some more that are worse later in the podcast, <laughs> but they're not a great passing team. They can run the football. But if you can't loosen up the defense a little bit, the teams, smart teams like Stanford can kind of load the box up on you a little bit, limit your, limit your yards per carry in the running game, and that allows teams like Stanford to kind of hang around. So, uh, again, Oregon's a really, really good football team. They might get back in the final four here as we go down the stretch, but they've still got a weakness to deal with, and that weakness is the passing game. Yep, and, you know, Anthony Brown, really good quarterback. Uh, he does have his limitations. I mean, that's one of the reasons he's transferred. I, I just feel like, you know, he's a, he can run the ball pretty well, and he's more of a, like, a I would say 40 to 50%, you know, completion rate as a passer. Where he'll have some really good games sometimes, but more likely he'll come back down to earth and give you more of a, like, a 12 for 24 type of performance, which is going to be tough to win with, you know, especially going against tough defenses that can really – single in on him and stop him from running and make him beat you with the throw, which I think he's going to struggle with this year. Um, Jordan, any thoughts on this one? No, I think that it's kind of over for Oregon. <clears throat> Just because of the conference they're in, I think that they needed to go undefeated to have a chance to make the college football playoffs. And this loss kind of solidified them. Not they're not Their conference is not a conference that's going to make the college football playoffs for couple more years you know the only way i could see them making it is if they run the table look impressive and then the two teams that the committee has to choose from is oregon and ohio state both have one loss but oregon has the head head winner over ohio state that'd be the only way i could see them getting in i i I think that our oregon with that loss or ohio state with that loss against oregon if they run the table win their chance their conference the loss Oregon had against a two and two or whatever 
Stanford team is bigger than Ohio State losing to Oregon. I always always think the committee looks at head to head before before yeah, that. You know, yeah. I don't think so. Not with this. Oh, we'll see. It's one of the one on the books there. We can talk back at, you know, as we come through. <clears throat> so far, you had your Iowa's pick is right. So we'll let you live with that right now. But um, yeah, let's um kind of move ahead to another favorite of ours, and that's um, Notre Dame, who lost to the Cincinnati 24 to 13. Um, I would say this is a tale of two halves. Cincinnati dominated the first half, up winning 17 to nothing in that first half. Notre Dame continued to struggle with Jack Cohn as the quarterback. They tried to mix in some Tyler Buckner, um, but I think Cincinnati realized that he was not going to try to pass the ball. Um, the one time he did, he got intercepted. So, um, you know, I think they really struggled. But then Drew Pide came in in that second half and really showed some um, offensive light for Irish. But I think it was already too late to try too much of a hole for him to, to come back out of. And they ended up losing this one again, 24 to 13, Cincinnati. Um, so Jordan, what do you think? Is this does Cincinnati have a chance to kind of march to the playoffs? And what do you think about Notre Dame? Um, I think the, the schedule Cincinnati has is not. It, I don't. I think they have to run the table and then somehow chaos happens. Yeah, because I don't think Cincinnati's schedule is. They have Notre Dame, and I think that's it on their schedule. So I think they're going to stay. They might be the first team out, but I just don't see them in the playoffs just because their schedule, but um, Notre Dame just looks sloppy. I think their defense also looks bad. I just think um, Brian Kelly, I, I don't know if he really had the reins on this game with uh, keeping Conan and then the first half when the last two games weren't great for him. And Drew Payne is showing himself and shows that he's a mo more mobile QB, which Notre Dame needs because their offensive line's young and they don't – they can't block that well. But I just think it was just a, a kick in the gut for Notre Dame, and I think that was a big loss that they probably should have won, especially being at home and losing their 25-game win streak at home. You know, I think it always goes back to the one thing that stopped Notre Dame under Brian Kelly from being a national champion is uh, the quarterback, and it continues to be the case. Um, they can't get the five-star recruit to come to Notre Dame. And uh, they have some in there in line with this year that hopefully they could bring in. Um, Tyler Buckner is really high, high star, four star, five star in some places. So hopefully he could be there in the future. Um, what I see Drew, Drew Pine is that he's going to, he's a, well, I hate to say this, it, a smaller Ian Book, but Ian Book got him the wins and got him, you know, further than other quarterbacks did. And I think that Drew Pine could take him there the rest of the year. And they have a chance to finish 11 to 1 if they could put, if they put Pine in. I mean, that decision is being made this week and we're supposed to find out about it soon um, per Brian Kelly. So hopefully to your point, hopefully he makes the decision that sticks with it. Does it try to be, you know, we brought in Jack Cohen and try to keep with him this because you brought him in. Listen, if he's not the right quarterback, you need to make the move. You can't wait this long. And I think that's what really bit Notre Dame in the butt there. Uh, and also I think the biggest thing is, I mean, they Notre Dame was a dominant rushing team last year and this year they haven't performed. I mean, when you have a running back that ran over a thousand yards last year, you should run the ball more. And I don't think they understand that. They understand it. I think they can't. And that's where you're, the problem they run into. The offensive line is struggling on their fourth left tackle. Um, and then they have a, a grad transfer, uh, Cade Madden, who was supposed to be the number one offensive transfer who came from Marshall. Not good. He just, if you watch the tape, he just, he can't block anybody. He can't 
make holes for the running back. I mean, they need to really do a youth movement right now and put the rest of their freshmen in and just have them learn on the job the rest of this year. That way, when they go into next year, I think offense will be back to Notre Dame standards, but I don't think it's going to get there this year with the players that they have. Um, moving ahead, let's talk about – I thought this was a pretty interesting game. I, I didn't think – I didn't give Kentucky much chance. I don't even think we talked about this in the last game, at last podcast, but Kentucky came in and beat Florida 20-13, to 13, and I think it took – away any chances that Florida had of making the college football playoff or even maybe making the SEC championship game. Um, Kentucky finally won after not winning in Florida since 1986. So um, the big victory there, um, you know, and I think um, it's going to hopefully propel Kentucky to do some good things. Cause I mean, Kentucky, if you're a Kentucky fan, you haven't seen a lot of great years by Kentucky. This might be one in the making, um, but Jordan, what did you think of Kentucky's win over Florida? Um, I, I great. I think Gators were kind of overrated coming this season, um, and it it kind of showed again uh, against Alabama. It was a close game. Uh, Florida should have won. Um, they outplayed Alabama at the uh, second half. They looked like a good team. They should have beat that. They should have won that game. And I think that was the same thing with against Kentucky. I mean they had over a hundred more total yards than them and they just didn't seem like they could finish. And I think they shot themselves in the foot. Um, looking at the stats, they had 15 penalties totaling for 115 total uh, yards. So like, I mean, they kind of just shot them in the foot themselves in the foot. So being 20 to 17, you know, limit those penalties, you finish drives. It should have been probably a more of a blowout if they just didn't shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. yeah I mean, that was the biggest thing out of that game. Yeah, it did look like it was an offensive block, you know, blockbuster. I know like Kentucky only managed 211 total yards. So, I mean, it wasn't, um, it was, I would say those old SEC type <laughs> games where it's a really defensive late in you know, battle. So, interested to see what Kentucky does the rest of the season, if it's something they can maintain and keep up. So, we'll kind of keep an eye on that as the season goes along. I mean, they uh, play what, Georgia in two weeks. So, that's going to be interesting. I, I have a feeling, though, it's going to look a lot like, Arkansas looked against Georgia. So we'll talk about that in a bit though. Um, let's talk about next Michigan, uh, you know, over, over Wisconsin, they won 38 to 17. Uh, if you watch the first half of this game, a little closer than I think Michigan was probably expecting 13 to 10, but then they, they ran away with it in the second half um, outscoring them 25 to seven. Graham Merckx did get hurt. And, um, you know, very um, end of that, I think first half, second, um, second half, and really just had no chance at that point. Wisconsin really just seems to be falling apart. And uh, Michigan, you know, kind of ran over them there. I will say I'm still just not impressed with Michigan as an offensive team. And I, I am going to be interested to see what they do against like a Penn State or Ohio State. But, Ben, you know, you, you took this game in. What was your thoughts on this one? This game in, in some ways reminded me of the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Wisconsin's able to, they've got enough talent to be able to kind of hang around for a while and, and compete with these teams. But you get the second half and, and the fourth quarter for Notre Dame, hey, Wisconsin just gets blown out. And, you know, you, you start to realize Wisconsin doesn't have the guns to really compete with the upper part of the Big Ten. Now that leaves you with Michigan. And the question starts to be for these undefeated teams, how high can they go? What's their peak? I, I, the more I watch Michigan, I really do not feel like they're a top 10 football team. I kind of feel like they're ranked about right, number 14, 15, 16, somewhere right in there. Um, and, and that's kind of like you, I'm worried about the passing game for Michigan. We know they can run the football, 
against a lot of teams and even dominate some of the smaller teams going up against Ohio State. I think they'll have some success running the football, but they don't have enough of a passing game to loosen up the box if they go up play Ohio State later in the year and against uh, whoever else they got in the Big Ten schedule. So I'm with you. A, a nice win for Michigan that they keep on marching through the schedule, but that passing game in particular is going to keep them in trouble this year. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I do feel like, you know, I think the Penn States and Michigan and Ohio States of the world will give us some trouble. I'm not sure they play Iowa. I don't know if they do. I don't think they're so. On the, they're on the opposite side of the conference. Yeah, so they, they get lucky with that one because I think Iowa's defense would kind of eat them up. But um, it's going to see. I think they're more of a 10-2 and two type team this year. I think those two losses I mentioned, Penn State and Ohio State, which is a good year, kind of a bounce back year that they needed, I think, to get the double-digit wins and see what they could do in the bowl game. Um, all right, let's talk about the SEC a bit. Uh, both Georgia and Alabama look dominant. I, I feel foolish because this last podcast, I was I was saying go to the bank, bet Ole Miss on Alabama. Ole Miss is going to do it this year. Lane Kiffin's got this offense running, and they looked absolutely horrible, losing 42-21. to 21. Um, Ben, what happened to Ole Miss in that offense? Alabama happened, okay? <laughs> I mean, I hate to make it that simple, but year after year, we see two things. Alabama enters every game with a talent advantage. We know that. They enter almost every game with a coaching advantage. And so it, it really takes almost a miracle to, to line up against these guys and beat them. Ole Miss didn't have any miracles. They couldn't run the football. They struggled to throw the football. At least if you're an Ole Miss fan, at least in at the end of the game, the fourth quarter, they got a little bit of self-respect back. But Alabama is just so well-prepared. You're not going to have more talent than them. They, they came in prepared to stop the running game of Ole Miss. Alabama was able to run the football themselves. And, and it was up. It was 35 to nothing at one point. Ole Miss hardly even had time to catch their breath for this game. I mean, this, this is just typical Alabama. And I, think, I still think Ole Miss can be a good team. But this is just Alabama all over again, talent and preparation. Yeah, you know, I agree. I, you know, I think it was a good showing for Ole Miss. This is Lane Kiffin's second season, so he's still getting the players that he needs there. I think last year, I mean, he, he came in, probably shocked Alabama with the offense, but they were more prepared for it this year after probably studying a lot of that film from last year. Um, so they weren't going to let that same thing happen to him again. Um, I will say, you know, one one thing I was impressed with from the Alabama side was Brian Robinson, Jr., um, the running back, he, I think he had 171 yards, something like that. He And once Alabama has that really dominant runner, then you know you're going to be in trouble um, as far as they're going to wear down your defense and just slowly suck the life out of you. So uh, I think that's kind of where Alabama did there. And I think they're, they're, they're on a path to SEC championship to face Georgia, and I can't wait to see that game. So I right. But for me with that game, I think um, Ole Miss is another Oklahoma. Other on defense wise, I think Ole Miss's yeah. defense is not that great. I mean, we watched them play what no ranked team. I don't think any of the teams they played were close to being ranked, and they let up almost 400 yards against a Austin PI PI team that you shouldn't let up that many yards against. So I think I think their defense, if if they can figure that out, I think Ole Miss next year will be a dominant force. Yeah, I mean, and I think they fixed it a little bit. I mean, last year they were giving up 50, 60 uh, points a game. Now they're, they're, I mean, they kept Alabama to 40. I guess that's something, that, you know, they probably took their foot off the gas. But I think once he gets the defensive players in there, I think they'll be able to put up more of a fight. So that'd be, again, one to watch there as, as the years come on. 
Uh, the ever dominated performance for the SEC was Georgia just demolishing Arkansas 37 nothing, and it could have been a lot worse because Georgia didn't have their starting quarterback. Um, they had um, totally forgot his name, um, but they I know he started last year and he struggled, and so I was like, oh, he's out. There's no way Georgia's winning this game, and they didn't seem to have any trouble at all against Arkansas. Um, Jordan is Georgia the best team in college football. Georgia's defense is the best in college football. Um, I think that they are going to dominate Georgia or Alabama in the champion conference championship game. Uh, they just looked outstanding against Arkansas. I mean, holding a team to no, not even passing or uh, rushing over a hundred yards. Um, they just demolished them. And when you can beat a team thir- 37 to zero, but not e- your yourself, not even have over hundred passing yards and having almost 300 rushing yards, it just shows how dominant your team can be. And just like you said, Tony, if they had JT Daniels that game, I think the game would have been 62 to zero. I think it would have been a lot more. And, and the throw in there, Georgia's uh, special teams look good. They got a block punt for a touchdown. Um, it, they, they're better than Alabama. And I, and I think it's just going to be a dom- – I think it's Georgia's going to dominate this year and finish out with the national championship for how many years they haven't. So, I just think Georgia's 1980, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Um, I think – I'm trying to think of an offense that can score against this team. And I just – I mean, I would have fought Ole Miss before – this past weekend, but if Ole Miss could get shut down like that by Alabama, there's no way they could score against Georgia either. So it's, yeah, I think it's going to be a long season for anybody playing that Georgia team unless they run into some injuries. And they have, they have Auburn, Kentucky, and then Florida. That's their next three. I mean, Florida is always a tough game for them, no matter, because that's just a rivalry game. So it's always going to be close. So that's the only one that would worry me if I'm a Georgia fan. Um, Let's move on to Texas, Oklahoma. Um, So I never, the Big 12, both of them kind of gutted out some close games. Uh, Texas with a 32-27 to 27, uh, victory over TCU. Um, my new Heisman favorite, which I'll go more into in a bit, uh, John Robinson ran for a career-high 216 yards on 35 carries. And if I'm Texas, I told them this early in the season, just give the guy the ball and get out of the way. Let him run 50 times. I don't care. Just get, He can not be stopped, especially in that league. So I think if they could keep doing that, they should, they should be able to pull out the season. Um, you know, it was kind of closer than I thought it would be against TCU, but it, you know, I think Casey Thompson as the quarterback for Texas is doing pretty well now three and O as a starting quarterback, um, since replacing card. And I think, um, you know, they probably found the, the right combination of quarterback and, uh, freshman receiver and running back. So I'll be interested to see what Texas does going forward. And they're talking about their opponent for next week, Oklahoma won 37 to 31 over Kansas state. So, um, you know, obviously I think Kansas State added a touchdown late with uh, like a punt return that made this look closer than it was. So uh, it could be a little deceiving. They won 37-24 if you take that away, but it's still a pretty close game. What, what was your takeaway? Is it Oklahoma's offense look better here, Jordan, or, you know, was it just playing Kansas State? They were able to kind of out-talent them a bit. Um, playing Kansas State, they out-talented them a little bit. Um, but I think the biggest thing with this game is Kansas State like another team earlier we talked about, they shot themselves in the foot with this game. Um, they fumbled. 
uh, the first drive on in the 20 yard in the red zone. And I think that kind of slowed him down. I think it would, it would have been a seven to zero game early. And then it probably would have rode to Kansas state winning three the third year in a row. And I think, I just, I, I think that Spencer Rattlers, I think he came into this season with all the hype and didn't play up to it. And kind of just because the hype fell and I think that they might need to move on from him next game and see, or one of the games this year and see how their backup does. Cause I don't think, I, I think if they go undefeated this year, I, they're going to get demolished in the college ball playoffs. You know, I don't think it would matter who they put a quarterback or get demolished in the playoffs, honestly. And uh, I think I'd rather have it get special rattler that way. It'll get in his head to go to the NFL, then your new guy doesn't have any of those issues. It comes in all fresh, and you can hopefully build around him. So, but yeah, I agree. I I, I feel like um, like Special Rattler. I mean, he had his. I heard people talking. It was his best game of the season. He only had 243 yards passing, and I mean that just shows how bad his season has been so far. Um, that that's his best game of the year. So I'm interested in this Oklahoma Texas game. We'll talk about that. I, it's going to be just interesting contrast there of styles. So we get to see. Uh, let's talk about Ohio State. We haven't talked about them in a couple of weeks. They really haven't played anybody. Um, they really didn't play anybody this week. They played Rutgers, but I wanted to mention them. Um, I thought C.J. Stroud, you know, came out firing uh, 330 yards, looked very confident, had that game off last week to rest his shoulder. And now I'm thinking maybe his, his poor performance was due to that hurt shoulder a bit because he came out looking really good. I know Rutgers is not a world beater, but they do have a good – defensive head coach so i thought that that was a good good performance they won 52 to 13 ben is um cj shroud is he kind of running in a form getting his game together or is it just Rutgers wasn't playing that good yeah i i'm a big believer in cj stroud i i think that he's probably going to be a little inconsistent this year injury or no injury i, I think we can kind of expect that but we've seen enough in the games that he's played that he can rack up a ton of passing yards and do it in a hurry and then when you mix in Trayvon Henderson for the running back at spot at, at Ohio State and some of the big games he can put together, this Ohio State offense is looking tremendous. They can really rack up a lot of points and do it both on in the air and on the ground. Now, their, their defense, we, we talked about how they kind of had this five-week stretch here where they had four weak sisters and, and then a bye week to kind of get that defense together. I don't think we saw anything in this game necessarily that makes me think that their defense can hold up down the stretch against the better Big Ten teams. But they can score a lot of points, and that's going to keep them in every single ball game they play. Yeah, it's, and that's what I'm thinking too. I mean, the defense has looked better, but it's hard because it's Akron and Rutgers, so they're going to look better against those teams. Right where if they play a dynamic quarterback, that's going to be interesting. And I think they play uh, Maryland and Maryland didn't show me enough against Iowa to say they have a dynamic offense, even though they scored against poor teams. I, I don't feel like they're going to be able to do that. Anything against Ohio state um, moving ahead. I, what I think is a sleeper of the big 12 and that's Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state won 24 to 14 against number 21 Baylor this week. Um, they held Baylor 280 yards and their defense is just looking really dominant, which I think we said it a couple of times. It just looks so weird because Oklahoma State has always been one of those um, pass-first teams that, you know, are, are 30, 40, 50 points a game, and then their defense gives up just as much. But this year it's 
really all about the defense. They're trying to get their offense together with Spencer Sanders really struggling and they're trying to get him up. So, Ben, what do you think of Oklahoma State? Do they have a chance to, to beat the Oklahomas and Texas of the world? They, they do this year because Oklahoma and Texas really aren't that impressive. And, and you've perfectly nailed the character of Oklahoma State here. We are so used to seeing them be able to pass the football all over the field. This year, they're really not doing that. They're actually running the football very well against some of these teams, and the defense looks outstanding. So, yeah, they could, they could definitely compete with anybody in that conference. Um, I'm still not convinced that Oklahoma State's going to, to, to push, you know, 12-0 and or 11-1 kind of marks, but uh, they continue each week. They've been playing quality opponents. They continue each week to just step up and win these games. So um, Oklahoma State looking really good so far. Yeah, no, uh, it's good. What do, you got, what do you got to say about this one, Jordan? I think Oklahoma needs, their, like you said, their offense, um, three interceptions. Um, you know, you don't, you don't, normal good teams don't throw in three interceptions. But I think the biggest thing with them is they out, they overuse their running back. And, you know, uh, Jalen Warren, yeah, he had a great game, you know, had 125 yards, but he had 36 carries. And he only averaged three and a half yards and his longest was only 21 yards. So, you know, you overuse your running back. He's going to get hurt at some point. And then what you, your QB, your quarterback can't throw. He's not a great quarterback. So you lose your running game because you use him way too much. And I think that's going to be the biggest problem for Oklahoma state. Yeah, no, it could be, um, you know, especially if you're one dimensional, if you're running to 36 times, that means you don't trust your quarterback to throw the football, which means the defenses are going to lock in on your running back, which is why he only gets like 3.5 yards of carry. And that's going to be a continue to be issue. So they're going to really have to open it up and have their quarterback at least attempt some more throws, open it up for their running back who is talented. And if he gets some more holes, can really break some things open for that offense. Um, let's go to uh, Iowa, Jordan's favorite team. And, you let's know, go. the future you know, national champion, um, Gordon, you know, they continue to destroy teams. They destroyed a, we, we thought might be a, a game Maryland team, 51 to 14. That, that defense just looked amazing. What do you have to say about this team? Uh, Iowa's defense is, I, 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 I like their secondary is great. Um, four, five interceptions and four against a Maryland quarterback that can throw the ball and has a lot of passing yards and only and having him getting taken out because he already threw four interceptions is great and the biggest thing the takeaway from this game is the offense i was offense had had their probably one of their first really dominant games and i think their quarterback is finally uh finding his stride spencer strats pet stress Sorry. He, he's finding his stride. And I think Iowa looks a lot better than they did week one, week two. And I think they're progressing and getting a lot better and their defense is the same. They're just getting a lot better. And it's, it's, it's crazy to see. And it's good to see, especially when you have interceptions from, I think most of their interceptions were all different players. So that's, that's a big thing. I just think Iowa is that team. Yep, and they have a good matchup next week, which we'll talk about against Penn State. So um, that's going to be we'll see if this they keep this up um, going into a a, um, a tough team next week. Luckily, they'll be at home though, so that should help things. 
Um, speaking of that team, Penn State got revenge against Indiana, who they lost to last year in that crazy two-point conversion. Um, that seems like 10 years ago now, the way Indiana's playing. Um, but they end up winning this game 24 to nothing. Really just no life in Indiana, it seems like. And Penn State wasn't, I mean, they didn't really need to be impressive, but, I mean, Sean Clifford only threw for 178 yards and three touchdowns, and Dawson caught a pair of touchdowns. So, you know, not, not much really to talk about in this one, but um, Jordan, when you had any thoughts on Penn State, how did they look in this one? Um, I just I just want to bring up, you know, at week one, uh, we had Tony over here think Indiana is going to be great. Um, I did, I did. Uh, but... They are uh, really, you know, average, but I think Penn State looked good. I think this should have been a game that they blew them out. And I think uh, I, I think Penn State plays down to their opponent most of the, a lot of the time. And it's been like that multiple the last couple of years. <clears throat> if but if they can figure out offense, I think their defense can hold the other team and if their offense can score, they could beat teams. So yep. for that one. All right. What's up into the predictions for next? Um, next week with some of the top games for next week. So let's start off first with Stanford and Arizona State. So Stanford is coming off this big victory over, over Oregon. Um, Arizona State, you know, ranked, is playing pretty well this year, only has the one loss, I believe. Um, coming into this one, I would have said Arizona State is going to win this one pretty easily. But the way Stanford's been looking with their quarterback play, I think they're going to pull this one out and win this one 35 to 28. Jordan, what about you? I'm with you on that Stanford boat. I think Stanford looks good. I think that big win's going to propel them into this week. So I got Stanford 32 to 24. I just don't think Arizona State's played anyone big that uh, can show us that they're a good team. And their offense is not, you know, that great. Their QB can't isn't that great. So Stanford. All right. Ben, how about you, sir? I've got Arizona State this week. You know there are a lot of Pac-12 teams, I think, who kind of fit into a cluster. And depending on who's a little bit hot and who's on, who's on the road and who's at home, I, I think that dictates a lot when these teams are this close. And I think Stanford and Arizona State fall into that category. And in spite of Stanford looking good last week, which they did, Arizona State looked good last week, too. On the road, they really routed UCLA. That game was really never all that close. I think it was 42-23 to 23 at the end. Yeah. Arizona State's played a decent schedule this year, not not a top schedule, but a decent schedule. So we kind of have a feeling for what Arizona State's like. Arizona State's at home. Stanford, even though they looked good last week, has been a little bit inconsistent this year. I think they're three and two. So I've got Arizona State in a close game, twenty-seven to twenty-four. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I did. I did think Arizona State looked pretty good against UCLA last week, and and now I'm thinking, God, was UCLA that good? I mean, maybe LSU was that bad. I don't know. Um, Oklahoma, Texas. So this is one I went back and forth on. I think it's going to be a close game. I think this this game is always close. Usually within one score the last like 10 years or some crazy outside of just maybe like a like a route here or there. But um, I think Texas is just going to run the ball um, with Robinson over and over again, and they'll win this one 24 to 21. Um, I just feel like my only concern is their defense is probably not that great. And so Oklahoma may be able to score on them a bit. So I'm a little worried about that, but I do feel like they might have enough to pull this one out. So Jordan, what about you? Um, right there again with you. I think Texas is going to win this 28, 21, uh, same things. I think they're Texas is going to run all over Oklahoma. Um, if they could, like you said, Texas, defense doesn't look, it doesn't look great and they might not be able to stop them. But I think if they get in the Rattlers head early, I think it's going to be a, uh, 
easy game for Texas. Win by a touchdown, but it's just it's going to be a slow, slow roll of that game. I think it's going to be a lot of running. Yep. Ben, what about you, sir? Tony, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Uh, this was the one game this week that I was back and forth on. I, I just went back and forth on both of these teams. I've got Oklahoma winning 28 to 24. Texas looks pretty good, especially when they're running the football. But again, you have a program who's been very inconsistent this year. Oklahoma, even though they've struggled, they continue to find a way to win. I think Oklahoma has the better talent right now, not by a lot, but by some. They've got the coaching staff that's more entrenched. In spite of the fact that Oklahoma has struggled every game this year just about, they've continued to find a way to win. I just don't really trust Texas to go in here and win this game, so I've got Oklahoma 28-24. All right. Uh, never what I had I had trouble with Arkansas and Ole Miss. I'm not I'm not sure what to think of these teams. You obviously had Arkansas. We were all hyped on Arkansas, and then they just I think their soul got sucked away from them last week against Georgia. So I don't know what they're going to come into this game with. with Ole Miss. I mean, they kind of play to the personality of their court, to their head coach Elaine Griffith. So they're going to be loose and ready to go in this game. So that's why I kind of give them the edge here, uh, 35 to 32. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is more of a lower scoring game with Arkansas's defense, but I just, um, I think Ole Miss will probably learn from their mistakes from last week and, and figure out some ways to score the ball here. So Jordan, what about you? Yeah, you know, I was in the, I was in the Arkansas wagon for a little bit. I thought, you know, if they somehow were undefeated, you know, but uh, I got Ole Miss. I think it's going to be a bigger score line. I think it's going to be uh, Ole Miss 35, 21. I just think Ole Miss is a better quarterback, better offense in general. Um, Arkansas's defense is good, but I just don't think – I think, like you said, Arkansas got their soul sucked out last week against Georgia, and they're going to come into this game kind of down on themselves because they did get destroyed. So, I just think Ole Miss. Yep. Ben? This is rough for both teams, right, coming off of beatdowns <laughs> from what looks like superior teams. This is kind of an elimination death match. Whoever loses this game is going to have a brutal two-game losing streak, really just because they played two good teams in a row. I've got Ole Miss winning this game. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's back and forth. But what I said earlier about Ole Miss, at least they got some shred of self-respect back at the end of that Alabama game. Arkansas, they get blanked. They had no shot at any point in that Georgia game, and they don't even get to put anything together at the end. So I think Ole Miss wins this game. I've got it 31-24. All right. Uh, Georgia and Auburn um, is an interesting matchup. I, I feel like um, Georgia beat Arkansas, which I felt like was better than Auburn. But Auburn also put up a good fight against a, a pretty good Penn State team, at least we think. So it was a little back and forth. But honestly, I, I just don't see any way that Auburn scores with Bo Nix, a quarterback, against his Georgia team. I think Bo Nix is just too inconsistent. And we know how he plays against good competition. Not very good at all. And so I have this as a blowout. I have this one, Georgia, 55-3. to um, winning this game. So, Jordan, what about you? Um, I got Georgia. I think it's going to be a – I don't think they're going to allow Auburn to score. I think it's going to be 49 to 0. Um, the biggest thing, I think, for Georgia is um, – I don't, we don't know if uh, JT Daniels is going to start. Yeah. Um, he was – apparently yesterday he was held out of passing drills. Um, so – that might be the question, but I still think Georgia's defense and running game is so much better than Auburn's. And Bo Nix has not shown up at all for the last couple of years. He's been against these big teams, so I don't think uh, Auburn's going to have a chance. Ben, do you agree? 
I'm right there with you guys. I've got Georgia 40, Georgia 40 <laughs> in, but it, it could be a whole lot worse than that. Uh, Nick's could throw a ton of interceptions. Who knows? It, it could get really bad really fast. Georgia might be sitting starters by halftime. Um, so I, I don't think it's a question of who's going to win this game. It's just by how much. And that really kind of sort of depends on, you know, how, how bad Auburn really puts up a fight here. Yeah. All right. Uh, final game, Penn State and Iowa. So this should be interesting. I, I do think um, if this was in Penn State, I might go with Penn State to win here. But since it's in Iowa, I think Iowa will pull away with this game 28-24. I think their defense will be too much. I think Sean Clifford will throw a couple picks, which he tends to do in these type of games. And um, Iowa will be able to pull this victory out. Do you agree, Jordan? Yeah, I have Iowa. Iowa's my team. Hmm. Hawkeye. Hawkeyes, let's go. Um, but I got Iowa 35 with 21. Uh, just like you said, I think Iowa's defense is just scary good right now. And uh, Sam Clifford has been up and down all year. Um, but also Iowa's offense right now is finding stride. I mean, that big win last week, I think it's going to propel. Like like I said before with Stanford, I think Iowa's going to get propelled in this game with their offense on a high, defense on a high. And I think it's just going to be a – Iowa game all game. I think the 21 points is going to come at the end of the uh, first half going into halftime and then 14 points in the second half. And I think that's it for Penn State. All right. Ben. I've got a little different take on it. I do have Iowa winning 19 to 10. I I don't see this being a high scoring game in any regard. I still don't trust that Iowa offense by any stretch of the imagination. The weaker the schedule gets, the better their offense looks. But the best thing about Iowa on the defensive side of the football is they're getting pressure on the quarterback, consistent pressure on opposing quarterbacks, but they're doing it with their front four. And they haven't had the blitz. They haven't had to bring the linebackers. With those front four, they are so solid, so good, so consistent at getting pressure on. I think that's going to create problems for Penn State all day long. So I've got Iowa up 19 to 10. How do you get 19? I just want to know. One touchdown, four field goals, right? That's a lot of field goals, buddy. I can see that. Though. That I don't trust mean, the Iowa offense at all. So I mean, that's a good I, point. I, day. I was thinking, you know, they score, but it'd be mostly like an interception. They return it down to like the 10 and then, you know, that's whatever get their offense in. I don't, I don't, I definitely don't feel like they can score that many points. I feel like it's going to be more of defensive as turns into offense type of thing. So, but yeah, just, I think it could score all around there. Um, let's go to the playoff predictions here. Uh, so, I think we'll all be a little bit different here, uh, especially coming from the Big Ten. So um, I am picking, obviously, Georgia and Alabama. I think they'll run the table. One of them will beat the ever in the SEC championship, and they'll both make the playoffs. I think Cincinnati is my other pick. I think that with this win over Notre Dame, then now we're going to run the table and be undefeated. And then I feel like Ohio State's going to run the table, be undefeated. But I also think there's going to be no one from the Pac-12 undefeated. There will be probably two losses there. Everybody have two losses in the ACC. I think everybody will have two losses or a week one loss in the Big 12. So I think it only leaves you the Big 10 winner, which is Ohio State. Um, Jordan, I'm sure we disagree a little bit here. Where, what do you have? I, I have the two um, no-brainers, Alabama, Georgia. Even with even with a loss, either team in the, their conference championship, um, I think they're still going to be in it. They just look too good. And I think the committee will look at them playing each other as nothing. So uh, I got Iowa. I think Iowa gets past this Penn State game. Um, even with one loss, I can see Iowa still being in it. 
and I got Michigan. If you know they run the table, they've been looking good. Ohio State's been inconsistent all year. They lost to Oregon. Uh, I just think Michigan and Iowa and Michigan will play in the conference championship. And even there again, one lost team is going to get over Cincinnati and another any other one lost team. So there is absolutely no way Michigan's making the playoffs. I'm just going to throw it out here, guys. Well, um, I'm, this there's, is why I there's absolutely no way Cincinnati will make the playoffs because their schedule is the garbage can behind. Oh, yeah, it's totally cool to get that. But I just don't see any way Michigan's going to stop Ohio State on offense. I mean, it is not going to be able to do that. Uh, but the we'll thing see. is, Michigan's Mich- – Ohio State's been inconsistent all year. Uh, but not on offense. Their offensive look good in every single game. And – Michigan's defense will not be able to slow them down. And then they can't pass the ball to keep up. And that's where I think it's going to be them lost there. And I think they're going to lose to Penn State and Michigan State potentially too. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. We but no, we could agree and disagree. I think Iowa's a good shot, good shot for sure. So Iowa could be a good pick there. Uh, ben, um, where, where do you lie in the Big Ten side of things? It, it, it's kind of a voter's dilemma, um, not just for us three, but for all the people who have the real votes. Um, when it comes to kind of deciding some of this stuff, I, I, you've got Alabama and Georgia easy. If Iowa continues to win, they're in, no question. If, if they get one loss, it kind of depends on who they lose to and win. And, but, you know, I've still got Iowa in at number three. At number four, that's where the dilemma starts, right? Do I pick the Cincinnati or do I think it's Oklahoma coming out of the Big 12? Or do I think Oregon still has a shot out of the Pac-12 if they're on the table? I, I'm really not totally comfortable with anybody there at the fourth spot. But if you're just talking about the Big Ten, I like Iowa right there at the top. I think Ohio State's just half a step behind. And, and then I think Michigan and Michigan State are good enough to beat somebody, but I don't have them up there with those top two teams. I'm still not sure where to put Penn State. I don't know if they're right up there with, with Iowa and Ohio State or not, but I, I do put Penn State closer to those top two teams. I'm with – Penn State can interchange Iowa. I'm a, a big Iowa, but if Penn State wins this game, I think it's going to switch that, and Iowa's going to be knocked out and Penn State will be put in. Right. It could be. It's going to be interesting. All these teams play each other, so they're all, like, right in that little mix. So a lot of undefeated Big Ten teams. Well, I, I only place Penn State, and then after that, it's kind of uh, – I always it's, got this easy side of the bracket. I just think, conference. like, there's four good teams in the, like, in the Big Ten or four to five. You know, the rest of the, that conference is just terrible, and it's just, like, easy wins. And then you have your non-conference schedule is not that great, like Akron's of the world. And so it just leads to a lot of, I think, people thinking teams are good when they're probably not as good as you think they are. So I am going to be interested when they have to start playing each other, you know, at least once or twice, and then let's see, see what kind of comes out of that. So I definitely feel like a Big Ten team will be there at the end, one Big Ten team, I think. And then we'll see what happens at the Big 12 and with Cincinnati um, and kind of go from there. Uh, so our predictions for a Heisman. So – um, kind of redid my list this this week. I got rid of um, CJ Verdell. You you're, you got so mad at us last week for having him in. I just couldn't have him in again. You know. I mean, uh, he's trash. <laughs> um, but I have Bryce Young. Obviously, you know, played good enough in Alabama's win against Ole Miss. I don't think he did anything spectacular, but continues to be a winner on a top team. But John Robinson of Texas, like I mentioned before, he's one of my my front runners now. I mean, this. You give the guy the ball, he's going to get you, you know, eight to ten yards. He's he's that dominant right now. Um, C.J. Shroud, I kind of put it back on my list. I feel like he had a really good performance, and I feel like he's going to have a good performance the rest of this season. 
So I could be wrong there, but I feel like he'll he'll kind of prove me right with that. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Riddler, again, not a great, off, you know, statistical performance, but I thought he led his team and was the, you know, pushed them in the right direction, had some good Heisman moments there. I kind of put him in that fourth, fifth spot. I mean, just kind of like a nice, nice thing to have for Cincinnati. And then I have um, Blake Gorham in Michigan still kind of hanging around there. But really, no one, to my opinion, is sticking out as like, oh, man, they're owning this Heisman race. Everybody's just doing a little bit here or there. And so it's kind of slim pickings, I would say. Jordan, what about you, man? So I have uh, same. I took out some. I have Bryce Young still. So the same things you kind of said, you know, been consistent all year on Alabama. It's kind of a no brainer. Um, I got Robinson. He just, just, I don't know. He's just that running back that teams, a team would be happy to have. He just knows what to do. But I got two picks that you guys probably don't even, you know. Uh, <laughs> Malik Cunningham from Louisville. Uh huh. He, I mean, he only has seven touchdown passes this year, has 1,307 yards, but it's that 10 rushing touchdowns he has. Um, he, I mean, for a quarterback to have 10, I, I, Bryce Young doesn't have that. CJ Stroud doesn't have that already in five games. You know, that's, that's big. <clears throat> but my other one, uh, this might be my sleeper. He might slide in there at some point. Uh, Kenny Pickett, he uh, plays at Pittsburgh. He is fourth overall in yards and has 92nd on touchdowns. So, I mean, you know, it's got to put that Pittsburgh in there. Um, well, I'm, I am falling asleep while you're talking about him, but um... – <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> it's because you're jealous that I have I, I pick people that are not big players. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, I I mean you pick you definitely pick play players that are not big players, that's for sure. Um, which means they're not good in the Heisman. So um I mean, if he was that good, they would he would have led him to that victory over Western Michigan, but uh, he did not let that he did not have that happen. So uh, the Western Michigan game, he has 382 yards uh, and six touchdowns. What's well, like? Uh, wait, of, that was his defense. Don't even like you know. He had okay. six touchdowns that game, and his defense lost him it. That's well, like yeah, he did know, all he could do. He uh, he only missed eight passes. I'm sorry. That's like talking about LeBron James. Like, oh, but he he does so much scoring, but he doesn't win the championships at the end. You know, that's that's, it does, it that's what I'm here. That's what I'm here right now. This is uh, this is not championship. Uh, this is not a championship. Award. Wins, wins, but wins is a big category in the in the Heisman race, I, I believe. Uh, so not really. Your, your player, a running back's not going to you really carry a team. You need to pass the ball, too. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's not all that. <laughs> all right. I mean, well, they had Manti Teo in it. He was dominating the defense. So. All right. Yeah. But he didn't change games like usual. He did. He did intercept. Not him. in the national the championship game. Where did that happen? Okay. Well, sorry. He would have gets 25 and he lost players. his girlfriend or didn't find her or something. We will not have any Notre Dame um, bad talk on this, this podcast. So we'll probably go ahead and edit this out before this podcast airs. So. Um, uh, ben, what do you got different to your side, sir? Real, realistically, I have Bryce Young of Alabama at the top, but that's only because I think a lot of Heisman voters are lazy. Um, it's kind of a prestige award. We've known that for many decades now, yeah. and I kind of hate that, but I, I recognize that that is the case. So realistically, 
Bryce Young, who's been consistent and plays for a top recognizable program, is probably the leading guy. But I like the way we talk about it, and that's really the way I think it should be voted on, bringing up some of these other guys who may not be from big programs, but they're having outstanding seasons. And they may not even have 10 or 11 wins this year. Some of these players may come from teams that have seven or eight wins. I, I, think, that's, I think that's much more deserving. But some of the guys I've got, Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati, I think very much deserves to be mentioned. He didn't have a high completion percentage, but he passed for almost 300 yards in Notre Dame Stadium against that crowd. And he kind of called his shot for the game, too. Um, Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina, he's got a passer rating this year of 230. The record has been set six years in a row. Last year, it was set at like 202. He's up at 230. He's having an insane season, not against top competition, so he's not going to win the Heisman, but he does deserve a mention. And then a guy that I think does deserve another mention is Drake London from Southern Cal. He's wide receiver. He's basically averaging 10 catches a game for 150 yards a game. He's been outstanding. He's like 6'5", 230, outstanding guy for the NFL to take a look at, very much deserving there for the Trojans as well. Uh, no, I, those are definitely some names that I don't think people may have heard or talked about. Yeah, I've seen some of the Drake Lennon's um, highlights, and he's, he's good. Something that, as a Notre Dame fan, something I'm scared about as we go up against Southern Cal leaders here. Um, Drake, uh, Riddler shouldn't be on your list, um, just saying. <laughs> um, he should be more than a Kenny Pickett. I'm sorry. That's, you know, um, I, at, least, at, at least, you know, Kenny Pickett can pass the ball. Um, um, but can he win? Can he win ball games? I don't. I don't think he can. So uh, he can. Oh, the, I, he should have. You know, he should have passed for like ten, one thousand yards against Western Michigan and to win that game for him. That's he that's passed a lot of yards during Michigan. His defense didn't do anything. I will fight you to the day I die on this. <laughs> don't listen. You know, I'll give you hundred dollars if Kenny Pickett's in the top five, top ten of the Heisman votes at the end of the year. Okay, five dollars. Five dollars. We're good. Virtual handshake. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ben's right. in this too. <laughs> um. no. <laughs> I'm not even, no, I'm not even gonna give that any credence, man. Come on. <laughs> you know, you pick on me for picking these weird players, but you know, you got him putting uh Grayson McCall. He well, my, my son's name is Grayson, so I have a have a soft spot there for Drake for London. Jason, you know. Drake London's good. He's good. Now wide yeah, receiver won last year. So I mean it's yeah, but that wide no, the difference with that wide receiver last year, that wide receiver was better than most QBs in the in he had more yards than most QBs threw. <laughs> very true, very true. All right. Um, well, before we wrap this up, guys, I did want to have a special shout out to Wake Forest. They're undefeated in the ACC. We really haven't talked about them because they really haven't played anybody. Um, but they did beat Malik Cunningham and Louisville this past week, one of your um, your Heisman people. So I think it's worth a mention here that Wake Forest is having a good season. And I think if um, if all the stars align, maybe they're in the playoffs, but they will really have mm-hmm. to win out and look pretty impressive. Or their defense. Their defense. For all the Wake Forest fans, we apologize for Jordan, but we, we do feel like you're having a I'm a Wake Forest man. I want them to, you know, do good, but 522 y- total yards and 501 for Wake Forest. I, I just, I'm just uh, passing that out there a little bit in, into the chronosphere. No, well, that's fine. I just got to say, Wake Forest, you find a way to win, you'll get you get to where you want to go in life. So um, we'll hopefully see you, you know, very successful this year in um, ACC and in college football. So 
Um, I think that's it for us this week, guys. Thank you again for joining us and for listening in. Uh, We hope to see you guys again soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.